Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Two weeks ago, I preached on one of my favorite themes. July, I tried to do that. I talked about ugly Judah. The next week, I talked about another one of my favorite themes when I talked about the joy genome. I love the joy of the Lord. Today, I'm going to speak on the subject that I enjoy as much as any subject. And when I, when I used to travel a lot and preach a lot and do a lot of camps and a lot of conferences, it's, it's so wonderful to get to be at home. But I used to preach a lot of what I'm going to preach today. I'm going to preach today on this subject, the most encouraging message you have never heard. I'm going to preach on the most encouraging message that you have never heard. Now, I think those, those last two words is what's going to get you to sit up in your chair until at least I get you started. Because you say, Pastor, I've heard it all. No, you really hadn't. No, you really hadn't. I'm fixing to tell you something you've never heard in your life today. And I'm going to help you because I believe the grace of God's in this house right now. I believe the grace of God's in this house right now. Clap your hands. We're going to the book of Matthew. We're going to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Amen. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. That's not, that's chapter one. That's chapter one. I need, I need chapter 11. I'll just read it right here. I'll just read it right here. Chapter 11. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach to the, and preach in their cities. Verse two. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Here's what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and much more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater 
than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You didn't get that. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. My subject today is the most encouraging message you have never heard. God bless it to your heart. You may be seated. Thank you for hearing the word. I will not be lengthy. It's summer. You got to go eat. We fast in the winter. We eat in the summer. John Baptist was a baptizer. The son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary who begat Jesus. John and Jesus were third cousins. It's an awesome thing. It really, really is. It's an awesome, awesome thing. John the prophet, Jesus the Messiah. John, the one who comes and prepares the way. John, a man who said, I indeed baptize you with water. But there is one coming after me who is mightier than I. And when he comes, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he's got a fan in his hand and he will thoroughly purge the threshing floor. And he'll divide the wheat from the shaft. That's what John said about his third cousin that was to come. And one day, standing on the sandy banks of the Jordan River, he looks up and here comes Jesus walking down the shores of that river. And he says to him, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I don't know how you feel, but I think that'd been a great moment. I know this is the greatest hour to be alive and well on planet earth, but I think that would have been a great moment to be able to introduce Jesus Christ to the whole known world at that time. And then Jesus walked up and he said, John, I want you to baptize me. And John said, no, I must needs be baptized of you because I know who you are and I know who I am. And Jesus said, no, to fulfill all scripture. I must be baptized of you. Let me just throw this in. If Jesus needed to be baptized, so do you. So do you. Jesus, who had no sin, went down in water as a sacrifice. And he went down as a good conscience to show that this that we preach is not something that we dreamed up in a dark alley somewhere. And when Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened and a spirit like as of doves sat down and came down upon him. And a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now you got to understand this. Here's John. Here's Jesus. John standing there. If Jesus had a moment, an epiphany, don't you imagine John holding on to the Messiah had one also? Don't you imagine that something happened to him? Don't you imagine he got that confirmation that said, wow, I introduced the right one. He is the Messiah that is come to save the world. But now it's 18 months later. This story that I read to you in Matthew 11 is 18 months later. And it looks like that things are not going the way they ought to go. John's in prison. Now, John's not in prison for something that he did wrong. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. But sometimes John's gospel got a little close to the vest. Because John, 
John looked at Herod one day and he said, hey, buddy, I love you, but it's not good for you to live with your brother's wife, Herodias. It's not good. It's not good. You're not doing good. And Herodias had this daughter, and this daughter was a dancer, and, and the dancer loved to dance in front of Herod to please him. And one day the dancer was dancing, and because because John had preached a gospel that got under their skin and was put in prison for it, they asked, what do you want? What is it you want? And, they, and Herodias said, I want his head. I want his head to be removed from his body. I want John to be beheaded. And so John is in prison. Now, you got to get this. John's in prison. He's facing death. But that's not the problem in John's world right now. John's problem is a prophet problem. It's not a conundrum problem. It's a prophet problem. Because John had prophesied three things that was going to happen. He said Jesus was going to come. Say he's coming. He said he's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. Say he's going to baptize. And he's got a fan in his hand. And he's going to thoroughly purge the threshing floor. Lord, I feel like preaching today. I feel like preaching today. And he said he's going to thoroughly purge the threshold. He's going to divide the wheat from the shaft. But then he's sitting there in that prison 18 months into his ministry. 18 months. And Jesus has done only one thing. He's just come. He has not sent any Holy Ghost. He has not divided the threshing floor from the wheat from the shaft. He has not used his fan at all. Judgment has not come. And John lived by a prophet's code, a creed that said, if I prophesied, it has to come to pass or I'm not a prophet. If I, if I prophesy something that doesn't come to pass, I'm a false prophet. I wish people on TV would get that lineage in their thought today, their thought process, because they prophesy every day to you. You're going to get a million dollars if you send me $10. They're false prophets. Oh, I thought I'd say that. That's not in my notes because I don't have any today. And so John's in prison. Now, you got to get this. And he brings two of his disciples, and he said, you got to do something for me. You've got to go ask this Jesus. You've got to go ask. Now, the, the Jordan River's kind of forgotten now, and the, and the beautiful moment of the, of, of the voice of God speaking is kind of forgotten now. And John says, I want you to go ask this Jesus. Are you he that should come? Or do we look for another and so the disciples went and they found Jesus. And when they found him, he was healing the sick and he was cleansing the lepers. And he was, uh, the blind were receiving their sight and the lepers were being cleansed. The deaf were hearing. And they came to him and said, Lord, we got a question for you. John wants us to ask you, are you he that should come or do we look for another? And here's what's so beautiful to me. Jesus never answered them. He just kept on healing the sick. He just kept on opening the blind eyes. He just kept on unstopping the deaf ears. He just kept on doing the things that he was always doing. And all day long, he raised people up and he healed people and he touched people and he blessed people and he gave people reason to live. And at the end of the day, he kind of looked around and says, y'all still here, huh? Why don't you go tell John? Go tell John something. Tell John everything you have seen. Oh, I love this. And everything you have heard. And tell him, blessed is he whosoever is not offended in me. <laughs> blessed is the man that don't get upset on what time I run my business on. Blessed is he that doesn't get an offense against me. Because it's important. I want to preach right now. It's important. Jesus is the greatest friend you ever had in your life. 
And it's important that you never have an offense against Jesus Christ. He is your true Messiah today. Somebody needs to clap your hands and say, no offense, no offense, no offense. And this is the catch. This is where I want to preach. And verse 7 says, and as they departed. Can you bring up 11 and 7? Can you do it? Can you find it and bring it up? As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, as the disciples were leaving, Jesus started bragging on John in such a way that if John would have heard it, it would have changed everything about his mindset. But it was as they were leaving, Jesus began to talk to the congregation about John. Here's what I want to tell you. Yesterday, yesterday I buried one of the most precious women that I've ever known. An awesome, giant, a mighty matriarch, Jeff Fluitt's mother. And at that funeral, it took almost two plus hours for everybody to say the things they wanted to say. And still, we had not said enough. And I sat over there and I wept to myself. And I said, it's not right for us to wait till everybody is dead. It's not right for us to wait till everybody is rolled up to the front of the church. As a pastor of a church on Sunday morning, I may destroy you with your, with your thinking today, but I'm tired of waiting till everybody is dead and then we brag on them. I'm telling you, there is a church in Austin, Texas that is on fire for God, that has a touch of God. And there's people that are prisoned with bars and no bars. But I'm telling you, God's got his hand on the church in South Austin. Come on, praise him right now. Woo! So, I'm going to preach a message to you that John never heard. I'm going to give you something, even if you're behind bars, even if you've got problems and difficulties and struggles. I'm going to preach to you today because it's imperative that I tell you the most encouraging thing that you've never heard in your life. And I need some cooperation from you today because I'm going to preach three little points and I want you to write them down and put them on your refrigerator. Hallelujah. And here's the first point that I want to preach to you today. Here's the first one. You're doing better than you think you are. The Bible said, hell, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So if the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, I ought to be the complimenter of the brethren. Somebody ought to compliment a church. I had a gentleman that I love in this church walked up to me today and said, you got some grace for us today, pastor? I sure need a whole bunch of it. Yeah, I do, brother. I got some grace for this congregation today. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. 
And Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. And Jesus Christ has saved you. And even though you're walking through the valley of Achor, the valley of Baca, you're walking through trouble and tears. And even though you may have some situations in your life, look at somebody and say, you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better. You're doing better. You're doing better. Because God is with us. The reason people don't preach this kind of message is because they think people will lend to lasciviousness and lustful thinking and say, wow, I'm, I'm a big shot. I'm doing good. It's not that kind of thinking. There's people in this house that need somebody to tell them you're going you're gonna to make it. You're doing all right. You're going to make it. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. I had one preacher in my childhood tell me how to go to heaven. One preacher tell me how to go to heaven. You know what he told me? He said, don't ever stop going. That's so simple, but that's the truth. If you're on your way to heaven, don't stop going. Just keep on going. Ecclesiastes, I've preached it here before, but Ecclesiastes 3 is 28, 28 times and seasons. But there's one that's not mentioned there, and it's a time to quit. And the old preacher told me one day, he said, the only way to go to heaven is just keep going. And so I'm telling you right now, I want you to shake off everything that may have pinned you behind a prison and say, my job is not good, but you got one. My kids are not good, but God's blessed you. Things are not right in my home, but I'm still being blessed. And we're doing better than we think we are. Hallelujah. We're doing better than we think we are. If John would have heard that in prison... Oh, hallelujah. I feel a revival in this house. If John would have heard that in prison, he'd have rattled those bars and shouted behind that prison wall. You're doing better than you think you are. So, Pastor, I got this cancer. I've got this heart disease. I've got problems. I've got issues. But you're doing better than you think you are. There's people, there's single moms in this house today saying, oh God, we can't hardly make the month because of a lack of money, but you're doing better than you think you are. You know how I know? Because you're here today. You're not out overcoming a hangover. You're not out running down a street right now that believes in everything but God. You're not out in a drug alley somewhere. You're in the house of God. And hell hates you in the house of God. Hell won't. Put your hand on your chest and said, I'm doing better. I'm doing better than I think I am. I don't want to liberate you to sin. I want to liberate you to good living. Because I know that hell is a tormentor. The Bible said when you meet the accuser in the path, get to the throne. Because the first place the accuser is going to go is to the throne. He wants to throw some mud in you. He wants to throw some mud at you to the, to the one sitting on the throne. Beat him to the throne. When you have sin, the Bible said repent. The Bible said confess your faults one to another. And, 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 and confess to the Lord Jesus Christ and he is able and just to forgive us of all of our sins don't hold on to that thing that wants to drag you down pick yourself up dust yourself off and say you know what I'm better than this 
God made me better than this. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I may be behind prison bars, but I'm a child of God. So what about my drinking habit and what about all the drug problems that I've had and that I still relapse on? I'm telling you, you're doing better than you think you are. Because every Sunday you show up for church. Every Sunday you're in the house of God. Every Sunday you lift your hands. It's not hypocrisy. I see tears running down your face. I know it's real. I know you're trying. You're giving it the best shot you can give it. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm covering you with the grace of God. I wish John, I wish John, I wish John could have heard that message. The second thing I want to tell you is simply this. You matter more than you think. Look at your neighbor and point your finger at him and just point it right at him and say, you matter. You matter. Woo-wee. You matter. You matter. Let me read you something here. Let me read you something here. I didn't put this on the board. Let me read it for you. Go to your Bibles with me, Isaiah chapter 41. I got the new King James. You got the King James. That's fine. I used to have a man come to church here and said, if I didn't preach out of a Thompson chain, I wasn't preaching the real truth. So I'm preaching out of a New King James, and this is a Schofield today. Thank you very much. Just thought I'd throw that out. That's not in my notes either. Amen. I'm old school today. Isaiah 41 and 6 says, everyone helped his neighbor. Say, I matter. And said to his brother, say, I matter. Be of good courage. So the craftsman or the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he who smooths with the hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs. Watch this now in verse 8. That it might not totter. God have mercy. I'm feeling this all over my spirit right now. You know why you matter? Because you're sitting beside somebody today that might need somebody like you to tell them, hey, you're going to make it. 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 We have people that battle things in the summertime that they never battled during school years. We have people that fight loneliness and fight by themselves times in the summertime. And we need to turn to our brother and sister today and say, I'm going to give you a message that you've never heard. It's an encouragement you've never heard. You matter. The Bible said the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that held encouraged the one that hit the anvil because of one reason. They didn't want anybody to be tottering. I want everybody in this house to be standing up. I want everybody in this house to be standing up. And that's why I'm preaching Jesus Christ today. Would you get on your feet and lift your hands all over the house? Nobody's going to totter. Nobody's going to wobble. Nobody's going to stagger. Nobody's going to fall down. We're going to stand up because everybody in this house matters. You matter. You matter. You matter. Oh, oh. oh, I wish John could have heard that. You matter. Please be seated. Please be seated. Please be seated. You know, it's an amazing thing. Even Jesus Christ needed encouragement. Some people don't realize that. 
But when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, it wasn't just to show off a glistering garment. It wasn't about that. You know what it was? He took Peter, James, and John with him. But there appeared Moses and Elijah. Now, Matthew doesn't talk about it. Mark doesn't express it, but Luke does. That Elijah and Moses talked to Jesus. And in verse 7 of chapter 17 of that book, it says, concerning his decease. They talked about his death. I think Jesus was having a little issue of do I really matter? Am I really making a difference? I think the man part of him was saying, do I really make a difference? Is it really going to be all right? Because I've healed the sick, I've raised the dead, I've done all of this stuff. I think Jesus might have had one of those moments that sometimes we have. And I'm not trying to put you in the classification with Jesus Christ, but I think he had some moments. I think the Garden of Gethsemane was one of those moments. But I also think the Mount of Transfiguration was one of those moments. Because I believe he brought Elijah there and Moses there specifically. Because Moses went up to him and said, Lord, listen, I understand what it means to die. Because I had to die before the people could go into the land of promise. And it's going to be all right. Your church is going to be built. It's going to go forward. And Elijah looked at him and he said, Lord, I had to be taken away so that somebody coming behind me could do twice the miracles that I did. And I want you to know it's all right for you to die, be buried, and be taken away because there's a church coming behind you that's going to do greater works than you. I believe Jesus needed to hear that. I'm giving you a word of encouragement. You matter more than you think you do. When you walk out on your job and when you walk out of this church and go to a restaurant today and you have a gleam of Jesus in your eye, I think it matters that people see you as a person that has an overcoming spirit. I think it matters. I think you matter more than you think you do. And because of that, I want to preach something that John never heard because Jesus turns to the crowd and he says, hey, hey, you know what? You know what? Of all the men ever born of woman that was a prophet, there's none greater than John Baptist, none greater. But he said, he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Listen to me. Somebody said, Pastor, that's me. I'm the least in the kingdom. My daddy, my daddy always struggled. He really did with, with believing in himself potential. Dad was one of the greatest athletes probably that ever lived in western Oklahoma, according to Coach Darrell Roll, who knew a little bit about talent. Dad was one of the sharpest minds and could figure out things so quickly. Dad was a hard worker. But dad doubted a lot in his life. He had a lot of doubt in his life. Do I matter? Do, do I really matter? Because he never got to go to a church that boomed and was blossoming and, 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 and had great people and great numbers in it. 
He didn't have that. Dad didn't have that. He didn't have, I don't guess dad ever was a part of a church except maybe one for just a little while that even had a choir. You know, dad, dad just didn't get to see that. And, and, and it didn't bother mom as much as it did dad. But dad would call me and say, How, how's things going down there, son? Are you having good church? Yeah, dad, we are. Well, good. I'm glad y'all having good church down there. And, and, and I wish my dad could hear me today. I wish my dad could hear me today. And I would tell him, Dad, you mattered. More than you ever dreamed you mattered, Dad. Because you fought, you fought the beast, Dad. You fought discouragement. And when my brother died, he, he went into some kind of chemical despondency. And he got depressed and stayed that way for three months. Because Dad felt like he had missed the mark. And his boy had died. And Dad didn't feel like he mattered. But he mattered. And it does not matter what happens in your life. It doesn't matter what happens in your home. I'm here to tell you, you still matter more than you think you do because Jesus Christ died for you. Somebody clap your hands and say, preach to me, pastor. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. I got to hurry. Let me finish. Everybody say, you're doing better than you think you are. Everybody say, I matter more than I think I do. And the third thing I want to preach, and I'm going to close, it's really less about you than you think. It really is. <laughs> it's less about you than you think. Because what hell wants to do is make it all about you. I'm not insulting you by that line today. What hell wants to make it all about you? It's not all about you. You got a big brother in the fray. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's on your side. And somewhere in that Bible it says, if God's for me, who can be against me? Somewhere in that book it says that, doesn't it? If God's for me, who can be against me? And I believe with everything that's in my heart, it's less about us than we think. I have a dear friend and some of you folks that are the last five years in this church, you probably have not heard this story, but I told this story a long time ago, and I called my buddy and asked him if I could have permission to use this story again today. I have a buddy in, in, in Quincy, Illinois, named Randy Pate. Randy's been down here and preached before. And about five years ago, about five or six years ago, Randy and his wife could not have children. And so they, uh, they tried to adopt and they decided they want an Asian child. They wanted an Asian child. A Caucasian couple wanted this Asian child. And so they started dealing with the Chinese adoption agency, government, whatever you have to deal with there. And it was very, very costly. It cost them like twenty to $25,000. And I got that verified this morning on the phone. And then plus the fare. And, and they had to go all the way to China. Halfway around the world. In fact, I put my, my finger on, on Texas today and I put my finger on Fuzhou, China, where they had to go. And it's all the way to the other side. It's all the way to the other side of the world. You could dig a hole from Austin and come out in Fuzhou <laughs> if you dug it straight. But Randy said it was worth it. The little baby that they were going to adopt, a little girl that they named Randa. God, where'd that name come from? Randa. She was found at a roadside park in the Fusion Wilderness. Lions and tigers roam in that area. 
This place I'm talking about is just west of Taiwan. And, 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 and Randy and his precious wife decided, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to make this trip. And so they fly all the way halfway around the world, some 12,000, 13,000 miles. And they land in this city. And they go get them a nice suite. You got to get this, a nice suite. And it's overlooking where they're going to meet the officials the next day. And the next day they go over and wiping tears from their eyes, they walk in this adoption agency in China. And they pick up for the first time this little girl who somebody found at a roadside park and turned her over to the Chinese government. And they hand that baby to the Pates. And Randy and his wife take that baby and they weep and they cry. And the Chinese officials are just blown away because there's such an overwhelming joy in their hearts. The baby, it was just another pair of arms. But to the parents, it was the child of a lifetime. They took that child back to the hotel. They took her up to their suite room. And Randy went to the window, the big old picture window that overlooked that whole big city of Fuzhou. And he opened that and he opened it up and he, he held that baby in his arms like this right here. And he wanted her to look out because she was like two weeks old. He wanted her to look out, look out. And as she was looking out with eyes that couldn't see anything, he said, I want you to see the whole big world, honey. I want you to see the big old world. And I want you to understand something. The first word you're going to hear from me, first word you're going to hear from your daddy is two things I want to tell you. Number one, Jesus Christ loves you, baby. And number two, you have a daddy that will always be here because I love you, baby. I love you. And when he told me about that, I broke and I wept and I cried because it hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. It never was about the child. It was about the father. It never was about her then. It was about him. And I'm telling you right now, it's still about him. I want to I ask you, who do you think got the most joy that day? The parents or the baby? Who do you think really got excited? And when that child became a Mensa student in, in a young, young age and she's got IQ off the chart, who do you think's the happiest now, mom and dad or the girl? Who do you think gets the most joy? They said, I picked a winner. Oh, I got a winner in this one. We got us a girl that's awesome. She's off the chart. And I'm sure I can hear Randy say, she's my retirement package. But it's not about that. What it's about is that the parents got more excited any time than the child got during that process. Here's what I want to tell you. When Jesus saved you, you had a lot of joy in your heart. When you were going down in the waters of baptism, you had a lot of joy in your heart. But you didn't have near the joy <laughs> that that father had up in heaven. You didn't have near the joy that your heavenly father had. In fact, the Bible said angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. There's a count meeting in heaven over somebody saying, I love you, Jesus. And the joy that you get is so small compared to the joy that happens on the other side. 
Now let's break it down and let's close it out here today. So you walk in here, a saved individual, but you've got a problem. You've got an issue. You're behind bars and you're saying, I've got some questions. But you walk in this church and the choir gets to singing and you go to praising God. And tears start running down your face. And the joy of the Lord, that is your strength, comes all over you. And you feel the hand of the Lord on your life. And you get so excited. And for a moment, you're just carried away. You're carried away in the spirit as John was on the Isle of Patmos. And you're in, a, in the spirit of the Lord. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And you get so excited and so happy, you don't want to leave church. You just want to camp out here and make your bed right here. And that's the way it is because church is that way. But as excited as you are, think about how excited the Lord is. Because when Job was going through his hell, God was talking to a spirit called the devil. He said, see that boy right there? <laughs> see him right there? He'll never desert me. He'll never walk away from me. He'll always be with me. He'll always be mine because he loves me with all of his heart. And I believe with everything that's in me that sometimes you are a person that hell's trying to dissuade to worship Jesus Christ. But you hear me when you praise him in all your sickness, when you praise him in all your problems, when you praise him in all your dilemmas, when you praise him in all your pain, when you praise him in all your down times when you walk in here he's saying look here boys come here Gabe come here come here Michael look at there look at that look they're praising me right there look at them they're praising me hallelujah they're loving me in spite of they're not loving me because of they're loving me in spite of they're giving their heart they're giving their soul they're giving their life they're worshiping me with everything they have in their life that's what I want to tell you today didn't rock your world but it's pretty good fodder to put in your tummy that's what I want to tell you today you're doing better than you think you matter more than you think and it's less about you than you think it is because you have a Jesus that says wow they can worship through that they can praise through that they can love me through that <laughs> you where they need something and they ask me right and they ask me with faith believing I'll come and help them right now because anybody that can worship through that is somebody I want to praise so John I wish you could have heard it son I wish that the fluid could have heard it while she was yet alive what she heard yesterday but she didn't but today had to tell you that hell don't want you to believe that you're a possible. Hell doesn't want you to believe that you are a probable. Hell doesn't want you to believe that you are a commendable Christian in the kingdom of God. Hell don't want you to know that. Hell wants you to think you're barely skipping by. You're barely getting through. But you're not. You're praising in spite of your pain worshiping in spite of all your warts and you're magnifying the name of the Lord in spite of all your down times I think that's wonderful you want to stand up and give him some praise right now because it's about him because it's about him come on praise him right now it's about him
Come on, praise him right now. It's about him. Come on, praise him now. It's about him. It's about him. Come on. Come on, praise him now. Come on, praise him now. It's about him. It's about him. Come on, it's about him. It's about him. Come on, love him. I'm doing better than I think I am. I matter more than what I think. It's really less about me than what I believe. It's about him. Come on, let's magnify him. Let's have a praise session right now. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.